And Lord, we bring you our hearts now to just ask you to work in us through your word. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You, Jesus, is revealed in your word. You are the rock. Nothing else is a rock. You alone are the rock that we can stand on securely, firmly, confidently. And so I pray, Lord, that as we open up your word now, the result is we'd see areas of sinking sand we've been trying to stand on, and that we would all rest our lives all the more fully on you, the rock, in your word. I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. In John uh, 17, I was just thinking this week, uh, Jesus makes some amazing statements, a lot of them, but, but one in particular, verses 21 and 23, he says, it's very encouraging, that when people who don't know Jesus, when they see our love and our unity, when, like, when they, if they were to walk in here this morning and see the way we defer to each other and bear each other's burdens and serve each other and are devoted to each other, when they see how we feel affection for each other, even though there's different age groups and different socioeconomic backgrounds and different races and ethnicities here, when somebody who doesn't know Jesus sees the love that's there between Jesus' followers, Jesus said the unbelievers would come to see that Jesus came from God. It's an amazing statement that he makes. When somebody who's not a believer sees our love here that Jesus can give to us, they'll be persuaded that Jesus came from God. Now, Satan hates that. He hates that. And so he spends a lot of time working to disrupt the love and the unity that we might have with each other and for each other. And, and I'm sure that this last week, here in Mercy Hill Church, in our home groups, in our marriages, in our families, here in our church community, Satan has been seeking to disrupt that level of love and unity. And one of the main ways he does this is by sowing seeds of jealousy and selfish ambition. Because if, if he can just touch a couple people here and there with make some jealousy sprout up or some selfish ambition sprout up, the love and the unity will be gone. And unbelievers watching will not be impressed. That's just normal human relationships. And they won't come to see that Jesus came from God. Now this summer we're studying the book of James. A letter actually that James wrote to a group of believers Around the year 45 A.D., he wrote this. And in this next paragraph in James, he tackles the problem of jealousy and selfish ambition. So here's what I'm praying God's going to do this morning. As I've been just letting this passage shine light in my heart, I have seen in my heart, and I would guess that every single one of us either are in some level of jealousy or selfish ambition, or we're being tempted to be jealous or to have selfish ambition. And so James tackles this issue in this paragraph because he wanted his readers to be freed from it and he would want the same to happen for us today. So let's turn to James 3, 13 through 18. Now if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We are passionate about studying the scriptures here. We'd love you all to have a copy of the Bible so that you can study this passage with us. And James 
3, 13 through 18. In the Bibles we're passing out right now, it's on page 1012. Everybody got one? Just be bold. I want to make sure you've all got a Bible. Now, before we dig into this passage, I thought maybe some of you might, might kind of be wondering at this point, why, if you wanted to figure out how to overcome jealousy and selfish ambition, why would you read a letter written in 45 AD? That's kind of a puzzling thing. I mean, haven't we learned anything about like psychology and human relations in the last 2,000 years? I mean, wouldn't it be wiser to pick up like a New York Times bestseller on you know, how to overcome your jealousy or how to get rid of selfish ambition? Why would you want to read a letter written in 45 AD? Who is this James? Why should we listen to him? Have we learned anything since then? It's a good question. Here's why. It's because 2,000 years ago, God, who created us, who knows our tendency towards jealousy and selfish ambition, who knows exactly how we can best be freed from it, God came to earth in the person of Jesus. God was walking on the globe 2,000 years ago. And by his words, Jesus taught us exactly what we need to know about God and how we relate and how we get freed from things like jealousy and selfish ambition. Jesus taught things like that. And by his deeds, he showed us that he was God. Healing blind eyes. Speaking words to a quadriplegic on a mattress and he stands up. Speaking to a storm and it is stilled. Raising Lazarus from the dead, and the list just goes on and on. All of these describe both his teachings and his deeds in four eyewitness-based historical documents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then after Jesus died for our sins, as we've celebrated this morning with communion, and rose from the dead, he personally commissioned men who he called apostles. James is one of these apostles. Apostles were chosen by Jesus and gifted by Jesus to remember what Jesus taught and to perfectly explain what Jesus taught and spell out the implications of what Jesus taught. And so as James writes this letter, this is truth from God in the flesh, Jesus, which Jesus taught and which James is explaining. So as James here deals with jealousy and selfish ambition, this is like light years advanced compared to anything else you could read. James and the rest of the scriptures, there is no other book, there's no other literature like the scriptures. This is perfect truth from God himself, which is why we're going to take a look at this letter written in 45 AD by James the Apostle. So look at what he says, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest 
of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Isn't that a great passage? Okay, now when you do Bible study, it's helpful to notice repetition. And if you were following along carefully, you notice that two times James mentions jealousy and selfish ambition. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, and then verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. So that's what he's dealing with in this passage. Jealousy and selfish ambition. It appears that the group of people he's writing to, remember they had to flee Jerusalem to avoid persecution, and they're up north in Syria, north Palestine. James was a pastor in Jerusalem. He writes in this letter. But he's gotten wind of the fact that their love and unity has been disrupted by jealousy and selfish ambition. So he wants to help them understand what it is and get freed from it. And that's what he would want to have happen in us today too. Like I said, I think every single one of our hearts, as we search our hearts this morning, we'll, we'll find pockets where we're being tempted towards jealousy or towards selfish ambition. And some of you are like in full-blown, you're captured by jealousy and selfish ambition today. And there's just awesome news, and that is Jesus Christ. He'll help you identify it, and he can free you from it. Now, how can I tell then if I've got jealousy or selfish ambition in my heart. And the book of James was originally written in Greek, as most of you know, and, and so I checked out the Greek words for jealousy and selfish ambition, and it's pretty straightforward. The Greek word for jealousy means jealousy, and the Greek word for selfish ambition means selfish ambition. So I just had to think, so what does it mean? So if, if you've got jealousy, what is that? And I, I think it means, see if you agree with this, it means I'm feeling angry that somebody's got something I want. Right? I'm jealous. They've got something I want and I'm angry about it. I've got these feelings of anger because somebody else has something that I want. So like, let's just say, for example, maybe someone you know has a closer friendship with this other person than you do. And if you're angry that they've got a closer friendship with that person than you do, then that's jealousy. Does that make sense? Or maybe someone you know has just recently gotten a promotion at work, and you're still looking for work. Now, if you're feeling angry about that, angry towards them, that's jealousy, because you're angry that they've got something that you want. Or maybe there's somebody um, in your home group, or somebody in the church community, or just some friend who's, who's like more popular, more well-known than you are in a certain group of friends, and, and you're angry that they're well-known, and you wish you were better known, See, that, that's jealousy. Okay, so if there's, if there's anger in your heart because someone else has something that you don't have, then, then what you're dealing with is jealousy. That's bitter jealousy. So just look down, just poke around in your heart a little bit. Do you see any, are there any pockets in there of anger because someone else has something you want? See that? Okay, that, that's jealousy. All right, now what about selfish ambition? Let's kick that out there. Yeah, that's the right one. Ignore the one in your notes. I, I made a change. I had a harder time thinking about what this one was. I just had this, like, I was praying, and finally I googled selfish ambition. First link. Ah, oh, this is all perfect. Here's, see if this makes sense. Isn't selfish ambition when I'm seeking my own interests above the interests of others? Isn't that selfish ambition? That just made total sense to me. It's when I'm, I'm seeking my own interests above the interests of others. For example, maybe, maybe you're you're seeking to become a home group leader because you're, you'd love the, the, maybe the prestige, home group leaders, okay, uh, 
the, the power you think might come, talk to home group leaders about this, okay? Uh, so maybe you're seeking to become a home group leader for prestige or popularity reasons or power reasons, not for the sake of, of the, the people in the home group. That would be selfish ambition, right? Or maybe on a more mundane note, maybe, maybe like you really, really, really like to play cranium. Any, any cranium fans here? Especially that little Play-Doh part, okay? Or, you guys know what cranium is? It's kind of old, I know. But anyway, so maybe you just really, really, really like to play cranium, but, and your home group is doing a game night, and you're pushing, pushing, pushing for them to play cranium because you love cranium. You want everybody to play because this is so much fun. And so you're pushing for that regardless of, like, they may maybe hate cranium. Okay, but you're still pushing for it. That would be selfish ambition, right? Or, or maybe, another example, you're pursuing money and position at work in such a way that's going to cost your marriage or cost your parenting with your kids? Okay, that would be selfish ambition. Okay, so, try to think of an example from the Bible. There's a couple of them. I thought of Saul and David, thought of the Pharisees with Jesus, but think about Joseph and his brothers. Didn't they struggle both from bitter jealousy and selfish ambition? Remember Joseph? Joseph was the favorite from his father, and he didn't handle things all right necessarily and how he shared dreams and stuff, okay? He wasn't flawless in this process, but the brothers were incensed that he was their father's favorite, right? So they were angry that he, Joseph, had this position of preeminence, and, and they didn't. That's j- bitter jealousy. And they were, they were pursuing so that t- to get them above Joseph by, what did they do to Joseph? They sold him off into slavery. So they were pursuing their own interests above Joseph's interests, certainly. But so do you see how jealousy and selfish ambition completely disrupted the relationship that the brothers had? With Joseph. That's what happens all the time. Big ways, small ways. Home group leader, work, cranium. Just There's all kinds of ways in which we are angry that somebody else has something I want or in which I'm pursuing my own interests above pursuing the interests of others. Okay, so do you see any jealousy in your heart? Do you see any selfish ambition that's there? I mean, I, I've shared with you before, one of my idols is I, I like people liking me. I like... I, I, I like the thought that people might think I'm a, I'm a successful pastor, okay? And so I can, this is just really ugly, but I'll just tell you, because I want you to see how common this is, I can be upset when I hear about another church, I almost, almost weep saying this, when I hear about another church doing well. Okay, that's in my heart. I can go there. I hate that. But do you see how that's bitter jealousy? That is just so ugly, Anyway, but so do you see how, I mean, do you see in your own heart, don't think like, well, if I'm a Christian, I'll, I'll, I'll be saying no to this, right? No. If you're a Christian, you can see that you should say yes to this, and then more good news is coming. Okay, so I, I just hope you're seeing we all struggle with jealousy and selfish ambition. We're either in it or be, we're being tempted towards it. And if we fall for it, it's going to ruin our love and unity, that Jesus calls us to have here in our home groups, in our marriages, in our families, in, in, in our church community. Okay, now why are these so serious? Why, why is jealousy and selfish ambition so serious? Look at verses 14 through 16. James gives us three reasons why these are so serious. First, it's because when I have jealousy and selfish ambition, I'm being false to the truth. Verse 14, 
Just what he says. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, what truth are you being false to? If I'm angry because someone else has something I want, or if I'm seeking my own interests above the interests of other people, what truth am I being false to? Well, it's the truth taught all through the scripture, but James states it explicitly in verse 18. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. That is, everything I need in Christ, through trusting Christ, will be mine from God. God will give me every single thing that I need if I'm trusting Jesus Christ. That's the truth. It's taught Genesis through Malachi. It's taught Matthew through Revelation. It's taught all through the scriptures, James 1.18, the rest of James. It's unfolded everywhere, but that's the truth. The, the truth of the universe, the reality of the universe we live in, is that through Jesus Christ, God will give you everything you need. Now, if I'm angry, what was the example I was going to use here? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm angry that someone else is, is going to be able to play, like, what, Uno at the game night instead of uh, Cranium, if I'm, like, angry, saying, well, I wanted us to play Cranium, I'm, I'm standing against the truth that everything I need is going to come to me from God. Right? I'm not believing that God's going to give me everything that I need. Do you see how that works? So we're standing against the truth. We're being false to the truth. Now, think about how dangerous it is to be false to the truth. Titanic, right? Uh, people were told, or the rumor was, that it was unsinkable, so they had fewer lifeboats because it wasn't going to sink, right? Well, think of the dangers, think of the tragedy of standing against the truth, of being false to the truth. And if being false to that truth was so costly for so many people, think of the cost of standing against the truth of who God is and how God wants to relate to us by giving us every good thing that we need. That's one reason it's so serious. We're being false to the truth. Second reason it's so serious. I'm embracing wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Look at verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now you might think, well, jealousy is no big deal. Selfish ambition is no big deal. But James says it's a very big deal. Because if I'm bitterly jealous, if I'm selfishly ambitious, then I'm embracing a wisdom that's earthly, that is, it's, it's not God's wisdom. I'm embracing a wisdom that's um, not spiritual, it's unspiritual, it's against the Holy Spirit, against the revelation that the third person of the Trinity has given to us here. And even more frightening, James says it's demonic. It's demonic. It's not a metaphor. It is literally demonic. That is, it's wisdom which has been sown in my mind from Satan and his legions. And that's serious because demons are not nice. Do you, do you believe that there's demons? I mean, there are there, there's demons. Powerful, spiritual beings, far more powerful than we are in ourselves, whose passion is to take you from Christ, to draw you from Christ if, right now and if possible forever to your eternal destruction. That's their, that's their, their bents in just purely malevolent beings. And so if, if I'm being captured by jealousy and selfish ambition, then I've, I've embraced a wisdom that's earthly, it's not from God, it's unspiritual, it's against the Holy Spirit, and it's demonic. I'm being drawn away from Christ. That's what's happening. So this is big. 
Okay, last reason it's so serious. Verse 16, it's because this will result, the result will be ugly. He says, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I mean, you might think, a little bit of jealousy, it's just inside of me, it won't affect anybody else. A little bit of selfish ambition, no big deal. No, no, no. There will be disorder and every vile practice. So if you've got a group of people who love each other in Christ and are in unity together and serve each other and have affection for each other and bear each other's burdens, and then if one or two starts to get consumed with jealousy or selfish ambition, that unity and that love will just be destroyed, right? I mean, what are some of the things that will happen? Gossip, slander, backbiting, cliques, division, arguments. Anybody been part of a group of people where things started off united and all of a sudden they just like fragmented? This is why. This is why. So the result will be ugly. Think about the beautiful white beaches of Florida. Okay, white beaches, blue water. And all it took was just like a little oil leak, you know, mile underground, and just defiled the water and the beaches. Okay, same way. Here there's a group of brothers and sisters, your home group. Here's here's your marriage. Here's your family. Here's our church community. Love and joy and peace and humility and affection and care. And, And a couple little oil leaks of jealousy or selfish ambition. Defiled. Just defiled. So there's three reasons why this is so serious. We're being false to God's truth. We are embracing a wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And the results are going to be ugly. Okay, now, what can we do about it? How can we overcome jealousy and selfish ambition? Too many of us, when we read the Bible, we just read for what Jesus tells us to do. And basically our, our, our worldview of Christianity is just things we do. We do this, I mean, we come to faith in Christ, we're saved, and then we do, 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 do. But we don't read the Bible enough for how Jesus enables us to do these things he calls us to do. That's just as, if not even more, important. How will he enable us to do it? And this is especially crucial here with an issue of jealousy or selfish ambition. Because if if you're jealous right now about somebody, or if you're feeling selfishly ambitious, there's this this you want to get this position, get this place, get this you know recognition. You're pursuing your your own interests above the interests of others. If you're if you've got jealousy or selfish ambition, these are desires in your heart. These are passions in you. And you can't just turn desires and passions on and off by a decision of the will, right? You can't just say, oh, I'm not supposed to be that, okay, click, gone. It doesn't work that way. You can't just flick it on and off like a little light switch. We've got to have our hearts changed. If you're to be freed from jealousy, your heart needs to change. To be freed from selfish ambition, your heart needs to change. So how can our hearts change? Found the answer in verse 17. See if, see if this makes sense to you. I think this is what James is saying. It's by embracing God's wisdom that our hearts will change. The wisdom that's from above. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first 
pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Okay, now all these traits, pure, peaceable, gentle, all those are the opposite of jealousy and selfish ambition. This is the opposite of jealousy and selfish ambition. So where do these traits come from, these traits that are the opposite of jealousy and selfish ambition? They come from the wisdom that's from above. So if you have the wisdom that's from above, if you're embracing that wisdom, the result will be everything that's not jealousy and selfish ambition, which means you will have overcome jealousy and selfish ambition. See, here's James is talking about the fact that there's two different kinds of wisdom competing for your heart. Okay, two different wisdoms. There's one wisdom competing for your heart that's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Okay, and if you embrace that wisdom, and basically that wisdom says, you've got to find, your, you yourself have got to find the things that will fulfill your heart. Not James 1.18 where every good gift is going to come down from God, but you've got to find it yourself. If you embrace that wisdom, the results will be jealousy and selfish ambition. But there's another wisdom over here. And if you embrace the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God, James 1.18, you'll be gentle, pure, peaceable, humble, sincere, and the whole list that, that James gives there in verse 17. So, we can either embrace this wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, demonic, or we can embrace the wisdom that's from above. So what is the wisdom that's from above? Okay, what is it? James mentions, I think he puts it one way in James chapter 1, verse 18. It's really the whole message of the Bible. Old Testament, it's what Jesus taught, it's what the apostles all explained. And in your notes, I just summarized it like this. Here's what God's wisdom, here's what the wisdom that from above says. This is amazing news. God will completely, completely fulfill you in himself as you come to him through Jesus. That's the wisdom from above. James 1.18, all through the scriptures. God, this is an amazing thing about God. God loves to fulfill people in himself. So when you first come to Jesus, you've got to come through Jesus. You see Jesus' death. It's like Tom was sharing about this morning. His death paid for all of our sins. And so all of my sin, completely forgiven because of Jesus' death. So I'm trusting Jesus for forgiveness. And I'm trusting that Jesus' perfect righteousness has been given to me as a gift so I can be perfectly welcomed by God. God can look at Steve Fuller, clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. I'm forgiven for my sin. I'm clothed with Jesus. And God can just love me. He can just care for me. Compassion on me. Devoted to me. That's who God is. And so when I come to God through Jesus and I trust him, I worship him, I surrender my life to him. I talk with him. I, I think about him. I surrender my life to him. I, I, I'm in his presence. God will completely fulfill me. Completely fulfill me. He'll pour his love into my heart. He'll pour his love into your heart. You will be fulfilled with the presence of God. He'll make his presence near and real to you so that your heart is completely fulfilled. This is what it's all about. This is the wisdom that's from above. God will completely fulfill you in himself as you come to him through Jesus. Now, do you know God in this way? 
Do you know God in this way? Do you, do you know what it is like to have your heart be anxious or distressed or frustrated or bitter or guilty or despondent or hopeless? Right? You can add some, I'm sure, to my list. Do you know what it's like to have your heart be there and to come to God through Jesus? Do it with your brothers and sisters in your home group. Do it on your own with your wife. Open up the scriptures, come before God and to have God meet you and completely fulfill you. Do you know God in that way? Do you know what it's like to meet God tangibly, really experientially in that way? Or is it all just head knowledge for you? I believe this, 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 and I do this, 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 so I'm a Christian. No! You're missing the the whole thing. That is that God will completely fulfill you in himself as you come to him through Jesus. Now, what happens then to jealousy? When you do this. Remember, jealousy means you're angry that somebody else has got something that you want. So let's say you're angry. Let's say maybe somebody else was asked to be on the worship team and you wanted to be asked to be on the worship team. Now, this has not happened. Okay? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not referring to any particular situation, okay? Purely hypothetical. Um, but you can make the necessary adjustments for your life and situation. So let's say that, that you're angry because somebody else was asked to be on the worship team and so you're jealous. You've got this bitter jealousy. That's what jealousy is, right? Now, if I'm embracing the wisdom from above, then that means I'm, I'm trusting that God will give me every good thing that I need. He will completely fulfill me in himself through Jesus. And I'm coming to him and he's meeting me. My heart's at peace. I'm at rest. He has chosen at least for this time not to have me be asked to be on the worship team. Yes, Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm content in him. So, now, am I jealous now? No. See, the jealousy is gone. I might still, I'd still like to be on the worship team. Dave, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. I'd still like to be on the worship team. But see, when your heart is fulfilled in the Lord, the anger is gone. The jealousy is gone. Now, you've experienced that, haven't you? If If you're following Jesus, you've experienced the Lord taking that jealousy away from you. But what you have to do is, you've got to understand, I'm jealous. I'm angry. I wanted to be asked to be on the worship team. I'm embracing the wisdom that's earthly and spiritual and demonic. I need to let go of that wisdom. I need to embrace the wisdom that God will completely fulfill me as I come to him in Jesus Christ. He will give me everything I need. I can trust you, Father. If you give it to me, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you don't, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you're blessed because I have you. And you are all that I really need because I am content and filled and satisfied in you. And when that happens, jealousy will lose its power. Now, some of you are jealous right now. You're jealous about something right now. The workplace, maybe your kids are like closer to your husband or your wife than you are. Maybe there's something happening in your home group, something happening in the church body. You're, you're jealous right now. And see, Jesus would say, don't be jealous. But he wouldn't just say, don't be jealous. Like, okay, I've got to stop being jealous. He'd say, here's how. Let go of that wisdom that's earthly and spiritual and demonic. Let go of the wisdom like, I've got to get my own heart satisfied by my own devices. Let go of that. That's, that's demonic wisdom. You were created, you're a creature, created by God to depend upon him for every good thing that you need. Rely on him. Submit to him. Humble yourself before the Lord. At the proper time, he will exalt you. So humble yourself before him. Be content in him. Receive his love satisfying your heart and the jealousy 
will go. Now, how about selfish ambition? How does that work? Remember, selfish ambition, I'm seeking my own interests above the interests of others. Can I use the cranium example again? Kind of, but see, this is, this is an important example because the jealousy tends to uh, permeate more broadly on things that seem sort of mundane but really aren't mundane. Because it may not have been cranium, but it's something else that you've been selfishly ambitious about with a group of people. Maybe it's like you really, really like, like armadillo willies, but they keep going to Una Moss on Sundays after church, you know? Maybe it's something like that, okay? Anyway, so, so back to the cranium ex- Okay, so back to the cranium example. So I'm, I'm just really, the home group's having a game night, and I love cranium, I love doing the little, uh, all that stuff, but they all want to play Uno or Blockbuster or something else. And so I'm, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing for it. Now, if I will embrace the wisdom that's from above, God will give me everything I need in Him. He will completely satisfy my heart with His real presence through Jesus Christ. As I come to Him, and experience him in that way, then my heart's going to be full. I'll be fulfilled in him. I'll be satisfied in him. I was going to say, even more than playing cranium, totally, okay? You'll be fulfilled. And then you'll be able to let it go. Yeah, I like, I like cranium. I prefer cranium, but if you want to play, you know, whatever else, okay, fine, because you're fulfilled in the Lord. But see, if you're if you're hankering after this other thing, if you're selfishly ambish, ambitious, if you're, if you're pursuing your own interests above the interests of others, you're embracing this wisdom over here. You are not relying on the fact that God's going to give you every good thing that you need. You're not relying on the fact that God will completely fulfill and satisfy you. So when we embrace the wisdom that's from above, who God is, what he promises to do for us, who he promises to be to us in Christ, jealousy will go and selfish ambition will go. I want to press that because some of you, if you've been jealous or selfishly ambitious for a while, it can feel like that's just who you are. That's just who you are. It can can seem so natural and feel so normal, but that is not who you are. Listen, Jesus this morning could free you from that. He could change your heart this morning. So you are freed from that jealousy. You're freed from that selfish ambition. So get real about this. Jesus can free you about that, and and the jealousy and the selfish ambition will be gone. But that's not all that will happen. In verses 17 and 18, James says, Our lives will be transformed when we embrace the wisdom that's from above. Our lives will be shining with his love. Our lives will become beautiful. We will be shining with goodness and righteousness. I mean, look at the list that James gives us in verses 17 and 18. Here's what comes from embracing the wisdom from above. He says, the wisdom from above is first pure. That is, when your heart is fulfilled in God, when God's peace is on you, when his love is fulfilling you, you'll be pure. You will be completely freed from impure motives. Then, James goes on, it'll be peaceable. When your heart is fulfilled in God, you won't be striving, you won't be stressing, you won't be pressuring, you won't be pushing, you'll be at peace because your your future is secure in God. You trust God. You'll be gentle. When you've 
seen the mercy of the cross and how God is satisfying you in himself, fulfilling you in himself through Jesus' death for your sins, you'll be humbled. You'll be meek, as he says in verse 13. You'll be gracious, not harsh, not pushy, not demanding. You're going to be gentle. You're going to be open to reason. You won't be defensive. You won't be paranoid. You won't be irrational. You'll be able to talk openly, honestly, because you're secure in God. Your future's in his hands. You're fulfilled in him. So you can be open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. You'll be kind. You'll be gracious. You'll be caring for the widows and the orphans. You'll be caring for the poor and the needy. You'll be caring for your neighbors who need groceries like the Rafferty's have done. You'll be full of mercy and you'll be bearing good fruits. As you, as you walk into a group of people and as you're there connecting for a while, good fruit will be sprouting up around you. Good fruits. Beautiful fruits. You'll be impartial, he says. You won't need to curry favor with the rich and the powerful because your future is secure in God. You need God. That's all you need. And you have God through Christ. So you can care for the rich and the powerful and you can care for the poor. Impartial. You'll be sincere. No need to put up a front. No need to pretend you are something you're not. Your heart is fulfilled in God through Jesus Christ. And so you can be an open book about who you are, your love for him, your failures, your reliance on the cross, sincere. And then look at verse 18. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. When you're free from jealousy and selfish ambition, what you're marked by is peace. You know, there's people who just, when they, when they walk in, it's like, this person's at peace. There's other people where there's striving and there's stress and there's insecurity. When we embrace the wisdom that's from above, we will have peace. And because we are having peace, we're sowing in peace and there's going to be a harvest of righteousness. A harvest of righteousness from our lives. People's lives being touched, people being encouraged, people being built up, people being strengthened, people being loved, people's needs being met. You walk into a group of people, you're embracing the wisdom that's from above, you're in peace, you're sowing peace, harvest of righteousness is going to come. Isn't that how you want to live? Don't you want to live a life that's like verses 17 and 18? Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, having us to harvest of righteousness. This is yours. Listen, church, this is yours through the cross. You can live this way, not, not perfectly, but growingly, increasingly. You can live this life. And see, Jesus wants to so transform us in our love for each other and our embracing the wisdom that's from above and in our peace and our sowing of righteousness that when we go into the workplace, when we're in our neighborhoods, there's just righteousness sprouting up all over the place. Don't you want to live this way? This is yours. So why do you think this isn't possible for you? Well, it's because, well, I'm, I'm, I'm like really jealous. Well, yeah, I know, I am too, but we can get over that with the, the, the wisdom from above. Whatever the problem is, the cross, God's power, the wisdom that's from above will transform you. You can be transformed. I can be transformed. I can be a better man than I am because of what Jesus Christ promises to do for me. You can too. Here's what I want us to do. Dave, why don't you come on up?
I want us to take some time now and like do a lab. And just take some minutes and in prayer, between you and the Lord Jesus, ask him to search your heart. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He's here right now by the Spirit. And if you ask Jesus to search your heart, he will. To say, show me jealousy. Show me selfish ambition. Show me ways that I am not embracing the wisdom from above. How am I not embracing the truth that you, God, will completely fulfill me in yourself when I come to you through Jesus? And then ask him, help me to embrace that now. I want to embrace the truth that's from above. Set me free from the the wisdom that's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And enable me now to embrace the wisdom that's from above. That you will give me everything I need. I mean, some of you, you can't say honestly in your heart, God, you'll give me everything I need. You don't believe that. And I'm sorry, because I'm sure it's been because you've been through some hard times. But you can believe that. You must believe that. It's the truth of God. It's true. He will give you everything you need. The cross. I mean, the cross is the picture of that. Is he going to send his son to be punished in your place for your sins and then hold back on anything that you need? No. So just ask the Lord to search your heart now. Dave's going to just sing over us, lead us. Ask him, ask Jesus to search your heart. So Jesus, I pray, search my heart now more deeply. Search each of our hearts now more deeply. This is so important, Jesus. Lost people can look at our love and be convinced that you came from God. We want to be loving. We want to be freed from jealousy and selfish ambition. Move upon us now. Show us jealousy. Show us selfish ambition. We want to turn from that other wisdom and embrace your wisdom that you will give us everything we need that you will completely fulfill us as we come to you through Jesus. So just pray now. Ask the Lord to do that in your heart. We want to walk in a manner worthy of you, Jesus. We want our lives to be full of love and gentleness and sincerity and impartiality and wisdom and grace and compassion and unity. We want our relationships here at Mercy Hill to be so shining with your love that unbelievers, when they see it, would be persuaded that you, Jesus, came from God. Forgive us, Lord, for jealousies. Forgive us for selfish ambition. Cleanse us as we confess them to you. And enable us to embrace the wisdom that's from above. To trust that everything we need you will give to us through Jesus. That you will completely fulfill us in yourself through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your power to change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.